WNST, Towson, Baltimore, and Baltimore Positive. We are positively in the march. We're going to have madness. We're going to have crab cake tours. Got a cancellation for Fadley's Royal. We're going to make that good on Wednesday. Move it to a little bit later in the month. So if you're out following the Maryland Crab Cake Tour, presented by our friends at the Maryland Lottery in conjunction with our friends at Window Nation. Uh, all of that has uh, been moved this week. Um, march Madness. St. Patrick's Day, all of that going on. I'm back on the beat and doing it in real time here uh, on the back end of the combine, on the front end of what will be a Big Ten tournament where the Terps sort of stumble in a little bit. But really, the, the big story with Lamar Jackson, as I bring in Luke Jones, of course, Baltimore Luke, and you can follow his work and reach him, Luke, at WNST.net, old school, uh, you know, our old school branding and all that good stuff. Luke, um, this firestorm sent off by the national football league in the middle of the combine that was meant to bang pots and pans at the bottom of the league for whatever your transgression might be, whether it's your training room or team morale or whether there's cockroaches in the facility or, you know, whatever the deal is right around the league. This, this is a new thing. And this is a thing that was really, really illuminating in the castle. And, you know, I've often said one of the reasons they don't hand a report card out to the media and say, how are we doing is they don't really want to know. And uh, especially with my report card, um, they didn't like mine at all, but I, I, mine was, mine was my report card. So if they ask all the players, how were things out there? I certainly uh, have gotten all sorts of reports back in the day when the Trevor Prices were coming here and the Rod Woodsons, and we've talked about all of that that built championships. Been 10 years since a championship, and this isn't Nestor and Chad Steele or how Luke likes John Harbaugh. Or, this is like an on-the-record, across-the-board thing done by the Players Association that's meant to spur improvement across the game right and and the ravens didn't do so well in some departments yeah and not exactly shocking from the standpoint of it was just a couple weeks ago when the ravens in many people's minds finally and i emphasize the word finally moved on from strength and, and conditioning coach steve saunders uh and uh, with last wednesday the nflpa putting out their team report card I didn't know you could get an F minus, right? Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny to think in terms of F plus or F minus. Let me give a little F, shout right? out to Drug City where they still sell these pens that I love so much. But I want to do the Dean Werner, uh, you know, Wormer and uh, Lutarski of <laughs> zero point yeah. zero. You know, you know, I mean, like uh, F minus. What? What is that? That's a that's a new grading system. <laughs> well, and what's so illuminating about it, and what's so alarming about it, when you're looking at grading systems, you always have to look at the entire picture, right? You need context. I mean, what does a C mean? What does a D mean? What does an F mean? Can I just interject that you were a school teacher? So I really want people to know that when it comes from you, it comes from authority. When you're talking about how to give a grade, because you gave a lot of grades, man, to a lot yeah. of young people. I mean, I I may have known what knew what what I was talking about. That's debatable, but <laughs> I, I I think when you look at this though, is you look at the report in its totality. And look, let's be very clear. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, their cumulative grade, that wasn't very good. Yet they've been, you know, they've won a couple Super Bowls. They've been to another. So you always have to keep all of this context in mind. Some facilities are just older. Uh, some teams are in transition. 
But when you look at the Ravens and specifically looking at the strength coaches, which is where that F minus grade originated, uh, weight room and training room was the bottom half uh, of the 32 teams. So to me, that was worth uh, emphasizing. But I I think what was so striking about this was when you look at the grades for the rest of the league, for the strength coaches specifically, they were, for the most part, very, very positive. It was really the Ravens. And the Atlanta Falcons were the only teams that really got banged big time for their strength coaches or lack of quality for their strength coaches. So, you know, you you look at it through that lens and you see all these other teams and the grades for their strength coaches were A, A minus, B plus, B. I mean, it was. I mean, that's an amazing thing when a young man comes in and and can say, you're making me better. You're right. And and I, I. for as many people that came out and said, you wrecked my career. That's a, I mean, that was a damning thing. That was the thing I think that really took me up to make me look at the report card more is seeing the Quincy out boy, Joe. I didn't even know how to pronounce his name out of Mississippi. Like I remember pretty good by guys. the way, out boy, Joe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, well, I had, I Joe. I, you know, I had the Muli Talo. I've learned a lot in my, uh, my football, uh, pronunciation and travels, but, but in all sincerity, um, I, you know, I, I speak from the heart when I know what can be done with power and, being there and when you're in there and you're trying to move up the depth chart and you're trying to get a job, not get paid, but you're just trying to make it, you're trying to be noticed and you get injured. And when it's all over with, there's a room full of people that say, I don't think they really did right by me. That's, that's awful. I mean, that that's where I got like, and this is the first we've talked about it, right? Yeah. And I'm just reading, and there's like I have disgruntled employees, you know. I mean, who were your coworkers at one point? Like, I mean, I get all of that, but to say you you wreck my career, hmm, you know that I, that that made me cough a little bit, and it worries me for all of them. It really does. Yeah, and this is where I struggle with this to a point. Now, I think what's become crystal clear is it is absolutely perplexing, mystifying, whatever whatever adjective, adverb you want to use uh, in thinking about this. Knowing what we knew about Steve Saunders as far as the violation of the COVID protocol in 2020 that coincided with the team-wide outbreak, the fact that he was suspended for a month, and we, we knew this, right? This was not new information that was brought to light two and a half years later. And then to see the marks on the NFLPA report card. And as you pointed out, the number of former Ravens players to come to, to come forward in some in varying capacities. And look, this ranges from Matt Judon even going back a, a year plus. You know, his first year in New England, I believe it was tweeting some support towards Deshaun Elliott when he suffered his season-ending injury. There was a hashtag, Fire Steve, in the midst of a tweet. So you look at any one of these individuals in isolation, I want to be very clear here, Nestor. Uh, I think we do have to look at this objectively and say, okay, no matter the quality of your strength and, and quality, you know, your strength and conditioning coach, your training staff, your facilities, all of your resources, injuries are inevitable, right? They're an unfortunate, inevitable part of the game. And unfortunately, but again, inevitably, they impact careers and they impact careers quite frequently. Whether you're talking about someone like a Dennis Pitta, 
who had his career cut short, uh, basically, because of a, a devastating hip injury. Or you're talking about rookie free agents, fringe guys on the roster who get hurt. And uh, whether whether is any, there's any wrongdoing or negligence or not, guys that are never going to get a fair shake because they get hurt and they were kind of on the fringe anyway. I mean, have so we Sergio under- Kindle. Let's, you know what I mean? Right. Like, literally. So, right? so what I want to be clear about here before you know, we, we talk about this uh, and what it means for the organization moving forward is it is difficult to separate perception from reality. And I guarantee that you can find individuals from all 32 teams who were injured at some point in time over the last five or six years and have and harbor some I don't want to say bitterness because who am I to say that? I mean, that's you're talking about someone who had a dream and it wasn't fulfilled and their health or lack thereof was a reason why. Uh, but I guarantee you, you could find individuals who weren't happy with a member of the coaching staff or a member of the training staff, what, whatever. So it does make it difficult to separate that perception that may not at all be based in reality. However, when you look at this situation and you look at the amount of smoke that's, I mean, billowing right uh, in the wake of this. And there had been some some of that before. I mentioned Matt Judon. Uh, Derek Wolf had spoken about this. And look, I don't want to go individual by individual because, uh, again, there's a perception versus reality thing that's always going to go on with these injuries and wondering who who dropped the ball or, you know, who didn't do this? What, what, what well, Eugene Monroe the- came on with me, you know, talking about his business and said that that he didn't feel like it, that it was it was all honest. Yeah. Uh, and and you look, know? you're going to find some of that. And you, and like I said, you'll find some of that with every team. I, I, I have no doubt. It's and every just, employer. Let me say that. As no an question. Employer, that's just the way it is. No question. No question. However, when you look at this, the high volume of players speaking out. And for me, it's not even so much about the Quincy Adeboyos or the Bam Bradleys going on Twitter. You know, guys that were former rookie free agents get hurt and they never they never make it. They don't stick. Right. They're they're out of the league now. For me, more so than even those individuals. And I'm not dismissing that, but that coupled with the private number of players who spoke out in this NFLPA report card where you're talking about your strength coaches getting an F minus when you're talking about your training staff and uh, your weight room getting below average marks compared to the rest of the National Football League. It is uh, illuminating. It is eye opening in terms of what that means. And for me, I think what makes this even more fascinating is, okay, from a best case scenario, you're the Ravens and you say, all right, whether we were a, a year, two, or three years late in doing this, we have moved on from Steve Saunders. And and that's what they would tell you, right? That would be their public uh, response to this. However, I think what's fascinating about this for me and what's going to be very interesting is understanding just how unpopular he was. It does really baffle you in terms of, or, you know, I, I think I said unpopular, right? I'm going to make sure I didn't say popular. How How unpopular he was that they employed him for two additional seasons after what happened in 2020 with, you know, the violation of the COVID protocol and the suspension and the team-wide outbreak. I think that just makes it one of those situations where you look at that and say, like, what's going on here? And that's where you ask, you know, a, a John Harbaugh or an Eric DaCosta or, you know, at well, the he's time. Well, Harbaugh's Dick- guy, right? Can I say that? I mean, yeah. guy? I mean, let's face it. I mean, John Harbaugh, when they let go of Steve Saunders, they put out the release. That was the same day they announced the hiring of Willie Taggart as their running backs coach. Same day they announced that 
that T Martin was moving over to quarterbacks coach. So, you know, they announced the the reshuffling of their staff. They announced that Steve Saunders was no longer with the team. Harbaugh put out a statement that was very complimentary of him at that point. And, and even when he spoke at the combine last week, uh, just a few hours before that NFLPA report card came out, he he talked with local reporters in Indy and, uh, and was complimentary of Steve Saunders at that point. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, for lack of a better term, yes, yes, that, exactly. But when you look at this kind of a toxic reaction to your strength coach and knowing that there had been, you know, the proverbial smoking gun that was full justification to get rid of him three, you know, two and a half years ago, that he stayed, that he stuck that long and was that unpopular. That's when you start to question beyond just the quality or lack thereof of your strength program of a disconnect. And are you really in touch with how your players are feeling? And did had players come forward? And we don't know that, right? We don't know. We know the Ravens have a leadership council of, uh, of veteran players. That's something that they've had for a long time. That's nothing new. Well, you as know, Coach Billick would say, unfiltered information. Sure. Give me the truth. And, so the question from that is how many players had spoken behind the scenes about this? You know, was this something that veterans on the team had brought forward, you know, had brought forward to John Harbaugh and was brushed off or it went up the chain and it was brushed off. But regardless, he, he stuck around for a couple more years. And I think what's interesting about this, and now this is what's really fascinating in terms of the practicality of this now. Steve Saunders is gone, right? He, he's no longer with, with the organization. So it, it's really easy to just say, okay, well, they got dinged big time for, for, the, with, for their marks here, but he's no longer the strength coach. But what's interesting, and, and this is what's fascinating, is – they promoted Scott Elliott, who's entering his fifth season with the organization, to the title of strength and conditioning coordinator. And they promoted three others to the titles of strength and conditioning coaches. The point is, this wasn't a case of when you hear something like this, even if it was all Steve Saunders. And look, I don't know, Nestor. I, I'm not going to sit here and try to act like I have this great intimate it may, knowledge. But it may also be the person and not the not the program. Well, and, and like, well, that's but that's the big question here. When you have such terrible remarks or, or marks grades compared to the rest of the league, there's probably an argument to be made that maybe you should have just cleaned house entirely and you hire some outsiders to come in and start anew. And at least as of now, that's not what they're doing. So that's where the question is, all right, was it truly all Steve Saunders? And I don't know that, of course, was it all him or was this a little more yeah, systemic you know, for, for lack of a better d descriptor, uh, if, if that's the case, that's where you do wonder if keeping, you know, and promoting from within to replace Saunders and to just you know, everyone else moves up in the pecking order. Is that going to be what's best? How are players going to respond to that? Again, I don't know. I've never talked to Scott Elliott, so I'm not going to I don't want to be disparaging of someone I don't even know or, or someone that I don't I'm not familiar with his work in that way. But it is it bears monitoring now how uh, the, how players are going to respond to this. What is the attendance for the spring off-season voluntary workouts? What's that going to look like? Uh, I mean, you're you're talking about like we said an F minus, and you look at the fact that uh, I think the 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 percentage was a league low. Thirty six percent of Ravens players believe that they had an individualized plan for their strength and conditioning. It's not good, right? I mean, well, anyone, I just wanted whether to say you're a fitness too, buff or not. With, with these report cards, right, across the league, some of this to me is, you know, if, if this is your first team and your only team and all you knew was Michigan, 
maybe going someplace where there isn't a great facility or it's not like that, that or Oklahoma, you know, one of these football power, Alabama, whatever, right? right? It, 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 it could very well be a step down. I've heard Ravens players tell me that sure. before they turn the Ravens locker room into the, you know, the, the, the waiting lounge at O'Hare airport, right? Like that, all that purple vibe and lighting and all that, that they've done mm. now. But I would say this, the Ravens have guys that have been places. You know what I mean? The Ravens routinely bring in some veteran players. They have some of their own, but when mm-hmm. you bring players in from other places, the Roquan Smiths come in and the Calais Campbells come in and the Marcus Peters come in and say, I've been there, I've been here, I've been here. This is good, that's bad. This coach is that. This is I mean, they they would all start to have favorites. Um, and that should be worrisome to the Ravens that they got these low marks from guys that had seen it done differently in other places. Yeah, and, and that's where uh, again. Any individual situation, I'm taking with a grain of salt. Because, again, there's a perception versus reality here. Any player who's suffered a season-ending injury, a career-ending injury, career-altering injury is probably the best way to put it. There's probably going to be some stigma, and there's going to be some harboring of frustration and wondering if everything was done correctly, everything was done to uh, the, the fullest extent of strength coaches and trainers' efforts and all of that. So... Again, if it was one or two players, if it, if this were a case where the Ravens had a C or a C minus, where you'd still say, hey, that's an area you should be better. There's no salary cap when it comes to your strength coaches and your facilities and your equipment and your sports science department and uh, you know the, the, the kinesis vests that they wear. And look, the Ravens have so much of that. And the Ravens, even at different points over the last 10 years, I would say we're cutting edge in certain areas uh, pertaining to that. But when you have such poor marks, when it is abundantly clear that your strength, your head strength and conditioning coach was not just unpopular, but wildly unpopular. That's where you just look at it and say, there's way too much smoke here to not recognize that there was an issue, that there was a problem. And that's where you come back to and say, okay, this guy w- made headlines for all the wrong reasons in 2020 with the COVID protocols and what part that played in the team-wide outbreak again. I don't know with 100% certainty, but it coincided with it. So there you go. Again, there's a lot of smoke. So you keep looking at this and then you say, okay, he hung around for a couple more years. And even going back to 2021, a historically awful season from an injury standpoint, and he still made it another year. That's where you look at this and say, what exactly is going on? Why was this guy perceived to be such Teflon, right? I mean, it's just, that's where... You wonder, and that's where you ask the question, you know, is there a disconnect here? Is this a, a reflection of a culture that's maybe not what it once was? The questions have to be asked. Again, we're not talking about just a C minus, right? This was a case where 30 of the 32 teams in the NFL had very high remarks for their strength coaches. And that's not even to say that all of them were are, are all outstanding, perfect strength coaches, but it just speaks to what had to be some very toxic feeling uh, from from so many players. And let's be clear, if this were a case where a select group of individuals had that much of an agenda, there would have been some play, at least a few players maybe going to social media and saying, eh, you know, that's that wasn't my experience. I, as far as I'm concerned, and look, I, I can't say that I've tracked every single player's social media yeah. uh, in the days after this, but I can't find an example of anyone 
going out of their way to, de to defend Steve Saunders. Uh, and even a few players just kind of said, I was staying out of that one. I saw Tyus Bowser and, uh, and Marlon Humphrey, for example. So if the most you're getting is players abstaining from public comment, that's that probably speaks volumes to just how undesirable that situation was from, from the player's perspective. And again, that's where you come back to, you know, where was the Ravens brass here? You know, what, why was this lingering as long as it did? And uh, again, that's where you ask uh, if that's an issue, then what else could be a potential disconnect or a potential uh, culture issue? And let's be clear in fairness, a, a number of players also said that, and a, uh, including a couple of the players who spoke out Quincy Attaboy, Joe being one of them, they still were complimentary of John Harbaugh. So that was an, you know, that makes you, uh, you know, uh, interpret that as, yeah, maybe he was a John Harbaugh guy. And ultimately coaching staff, John Harbaugh is re responsible for that. You know, whether we're talking about the offense coordinator or you are talking about the strength coach or individuals of that nature, but you just look at it and say, wow, this really doesn't add up that this guy stuck around as long as he did considering you had the COVID thing going back to 2020 and you had the 2021 injury plague season. So again, how much of it is perception versus reality? It's all, it's impossible to really know that, but it's clear there was a significant amount of reality here in terms of players not being happy, players not seeing uh, you know, uh, what they felt was uh, a standard in the organization that was high enough. And they've moved on now. Okay, but it's going to be fascinating to see uh, how players respond to Scott Elliott and these other strength coaches who are remaining, uh, albeit in different job titles and responsibilities now. Luke Jones is on it. Uh, he's always on it. We are all waiting for the purple eight in the infinity logo to uh, appear over uh, in a plume of smoke over one winning drive. Luke will be monitoring all that out on the uh, WNST tech service alive and well, still 10,000. He out there getting that thing. Uh, Luke throws it out. It's all brought to you by our friends at Coons, Baltimore Ford. And uh, Dennis will be here on Thursday from three to five driving you home. And again, on Sunday morning, as we await uh, brackets, we got basketball, we got green beer, we got spring training baseball. And at some point we'll have some activity on Lamar Jackson and signing franchise tags and uh, sign in trades and, Whatever's going to happen, we're on it. He's Luke. I'm Nestor. We are WNSD AM 1570, Towson, Baltimore, and we never stop talking Baltimore positive.